Good morning and welcome to Emmett Audio. So last night I set four mouse traps and this morning we had caught two mice. And I set the four mouse traps because, uh, well, I saw a mouse the other day being very bold. Whenever we see a mouse being bold, we call it bold mouse and we tell ourselves that we need to kill bold mouse. And, uh, You know, I wanted to talk about it because it's a peculiar thing, mice and mouse traps. If you're anything like me, you can hide your head in the sand about the fact that you have mice in the house for a long time until you finally take action. I mean, it's a pretty consistent thing that every fall the mice come into the house from the outside and you know, it only takes one pregnant female to populate a whole house with mice. And uh, if you see one mouse, well, that's a, you know you're seeing the tip of the iceberg. You see one mouse, you have five or six mice in the house, at least. And we've been hearing them in the walls for weeks now, but haven't seen any evidence of them until the other day when we saw some mouse poop by the dog food bowl. And just generally started to see an increasing presence. And, you know, killing mice is nothing new. This is something people have been doing, uh, well, for probably as long as people have had spaces to defend from mice. But, It's also a really great metaphor, you know, because, well, mice are small and they're, they're tempting to overlook. You know, you can kind of close your eyes to the idea that you might have mice. When Cecilia and I first were married, we were living in this mouse infested trailer on the vegetable farm that we were working on. <coughs> and. At one point, we couldn't ignore the fact that we had mice anymore. So we set a bunch of traps and we caught something like 28 mice in 24 hours. It was unbelievable. You know, the, I think the field had gotten mowed and all the mice decided they would rather live in the trailer. <laughs> and, but most of the time it's not that intense and it's, you know, you see, oh, there, I mean, there's definitely a mouse. And, but it's always like you're busy and You've got other things planned with your time, and maybe there's a little squeamishness about killing something or about handling the mouse traps, right? There's, there's some psychological barriers to dealing with the issue. But like many issues in life, if you ignore them, they don't go away. If you ignore them, they will multiply. And maybe they don't become some giant thing, but they can get pretty bad. Um, and not only do they get pretty bad, but the, the, the physical reality of the spaces you're living in can get pretty bad, right? Mice are just a, one example of a way in which neglect to do the thing that needs to be done slowly builds into 
a real degradation of your life. And, you know, you can see this, for instance, with cleaning your house, right? No matter how picky you are about taking off your shoes or putting things away, right? Your house will get dirty. And to some extent, that's a good thing to have a house that's not aseptic and sterile. It's good for your immune system to handle that sort of thing. But, um, you know, things get gross. And to the extent that you occasionally knock back the grossness, you maintain a stasis of cleanliness in your house that allows you to enjoy being there and to be there without any consequences. But there are many circumstances in our lives, even if we're just confining ourselves to the realm of a house, say, where it needs some attention in order to continue being a healthy, safe place for you to be, right? Too much mouse poop is not good. Uh, you know, you got mold because you have a leak in your roof. That's not good. You can't ignore that for ever before, well, really even for too long before you start to have health consequences because of it. <clears throat> and so we need to have a practice in our life of setting the damn mouse traps, right? There are, there are actions that we, that we need to take in reaction to what's going on. And if you don't establish within yourself the, I guess it's called executive function. Um, I only know that name because my, uh, someone I know who was on a, was on a drug for some unrelated reason and it took away their executive function. It was one of the side effects or effects of the drug was it removed much of their executive function and boy, they really, they really didn't have that kind of decisive, okay, I'm doing this thing now and then follow through. <clears throat> and, and most of us go through life with less executive function than we might. Uh, well, because it's, it's real damn tempting to close your eyes to the mouse you just saw scurrying along the edge of the room and think, ah, I'll deal with that later. You know, or, or you don't even think to yourself, I'll deal with that later. You just think, ah, there's mice. And you don't even get to the point of making a plan. So how do you increase your executive function so that you actually take action when it is needed and appropriate? A couple things I've thought of over the years. One is just making sure that you have the things that you need to take action with, right? It's like... Having mouse traps on hand is a pretty good idea, you know? We had four or five mouse traps kicking around from the last time we had mice that we needed to kill, and I just took those in and put some fresh peanut butter on them and set them up, and there we go. Two dead mice in the morning. Now, it's definitely not the end of the mice, because we heard two other mice this morning. Uh, it might have been one mouse that dashed from one area to another. But I doubt it. It's probably, you know, more mice, which would make sense. Because again, tip of the iceberg. <clears throat> but so having the things on hand to deal with the situations that you might find yourself in, say, uh, seems like a pretty good way to 
at least set yourself up to have that executive function, right? If you don't have a vacuum cleaner and every time you need to vacuum a rug, you need to go borrow a vacuum cleaner from somebody, well, you're much less likely to vacuum your house because there's a higher barrier to entry. Or let's say you have the right uh, piece of equipment, but it's broken or it's missing some part, right? You have a vacuum cleaner, but uh, you don't, you've run out of vacuum cleaner bags. Well, it does you no good then. So part of executive function is recognizing the, the things that need that you will need to contend with in your life, and for everyone it's different, right? Uh, and asking yourself, do you have the supplies and equipment to actually do the thing, the physical thing in the real world that needs to be done? Do you have the understanding of what to do? And this will vary from person to person and throughout our life. But the thing that I've noticed is that, well, we don't tend to notice things. I talked about this a couple days ago, but there are so many parts of our life that we just become blind to because, well, our brain is real good at not seeing stuff it doesn't want to see. It's real good at not seeing the fact that you've gotten fat real good at not seeing the fact that you have mice. It's real good at not seeing the fact that the house is a mess or that this particular area is just a disaster zone that you don't even go into. It's real good at seeing that, at not seeing that, that this area is your weak point. Right? We don't want to focus on our weak points. And these days more than ever, when you might spend five minutes dealing with a situation, you're just as likely or more likely to spend those five minutes scrolling through someone else's perfectly put together life or looking with schadenfreude at somebody else's misfortune. Those seem to be, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's, those seem to be the two things that social media does really well, right? It's like it shows you somebody else's perfectly curated version of their life, right, which uh, on the one hand I think can make you feel bad about your own life, but also um, I, actually, I actually think it's, for many people, I know for myself, it, it serves the opposite function. It's like you get your little dose of everything being perfectly precise and organized. It's just in someone else's feed, someone else's life, right? It's like when your own life feels too crazy, instead of dealing with your life, you, you escape into someone else's. And then I guess the, uh, the schadenfreude is the opposite, right? It's like whenever your own life feels crazy, you can look at somebody else's life going absolutely more crazy, right? Somebody getting knocked off their motorcycle by a car or whatever, right? And you get to think, well, my life isn't that. So I think there's, um, you know, on, on the whole, I think these are healthy instincts on our part to 
balance out the feelings that we're having in our life. But the problem is, is that if they usurp the time that would have been taken, would have been used towards actually dealing with your own life, well, then the things in your life don't get resolved. So you've got to set the damn mousetrap, right? You've got to not let yourself be blind to the things that you are tempted to be blind towards. And you've got to set yourself up so that when you see something, you are the sort of person who does something about it. Thank you for listening. Talk tomorrow.